0: The blurry background with like shadowy figures oh. passing behind you is terrifying.
1: Yeah.
2: Hi Clay, hey, baby. Hi Clay. Hi, baby. Hi, Clay. <laughs> I'm
0: Happy wonder. release day, Eve, my man. And you're
1: embarrassing me in front of Clay. Yeah. You got you got the goods. I'm do not you... holding him the whole time. I just wanted to show you guys my baby. baby. I think you should do the podcast with the baby. I mean, <laughs> you should just hold him.
3: He
0: should just do the intro. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, was that him or you? I couldn't tell.
1: It's me. We're both bald Okay, I thought so. (laughs) Oh, this is my second son. There you go, little buddy. All right, I'm going to go give him back to Mama. There you go, honey. That's a a baby.
2: How are
3: you, Blake? You
0: know,
3: I'm hanging in there. I'm, uh... Thank you. I'm alive we're uh
2: <laughs> we're all alive yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: so they so they tell us yeah. um how about yourself
2: busy busy and alive yeah drowning in dead deadlines I think but I'm good
1: yeah. <laughs> you
2: you're you're a multi
3: juggler you're always doing five always. things yes. at, at once five five
0: is an easy day five is. is a late day. <laughs>
3: Five is five is five o'clock on Friday. Um do you get to rest? like do you
2: <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. yeah um, not often. um, I do try to take a break in the afternoon between my actual job and everything else, yeah, for about an hour and then I do. Sunday morning, I sleep in a little bit later than usual, so I don't get up at 5. I get up at maybe like 7 or so. Yeah. And then usually sometime afternoon, I'll hang out with one of my kids for like an hour or two. Yeah. But you regiment like that? Like you have Mm -hmm.
3: like there's a... There's a schedule. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The way work gets done, right? It is the only way work gets done because (laughs) I have a lot and I... Forget and I get distracted very easily because it's like squirrel, you know, and I'm off. <laughs> like, yes. So things are <laughs> scheduled and written down and worked in. But yeah, if I didn't actually schedule a break, I, I would I I would just work. So
1: yeah. And she's on this show now too. Yes. Yes. And I'm here. We felt yeah. you weren't doing enough. So
0: <laughs> too much free time.
1: <laughs> And Clay, not that yes, but I'm in between. Uh, uh, he didn't making, ask. Working. I know. I just said that jackass. <laughs> I, I'm working on building my studio. In the meantime, I am picking any room that I can get. And right now, I'm in. Right now, I'm in a nursery. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got it blurred.
0: <laughs> it's not blurred anymore. Just oh, there you
2: go. it mm-hmm. is no. yes. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Dead Headspace. I am your host, Patrick R. McDonough. I'm joined by my friend, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. And our other friend, Candace Nola. Say hello, Candace.
2: Hello, Candace.
1: And we're talking to a guest that is a return guest. His name is Clay McLeod Chapman. Say hello, Clay. Hey. What? And we're here to. As Brennan said off the air, we're here to talk to you about what kind of mother. It's it's the uh, book release, uh, the eve of your book release. But before we talk about that, I'd like to know, you've done quite a bit since the last time you were on. That was episode 160 when we promoted Ghost Eaters. And that was the end of August of last year. Um, So, yeah, so pretty much a year. (laughs) And in that time you uh you've worked with uh jordan peele on a couple things in one way or another and wendell and wild was one the other the um the podcast series quiet part um quiet part 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 loud yeah yeah do you want to talk about for those that may not be aware of what either one of those is and how your experience on both of those projects was
3: yeah totally i'll uh I'll talk about quiet part loud because I, I really that one I I, I just love it. Um, and it's funny because we couldn't we couldn't talk about it for the longest time. like when when I was on the last time, we had been working on that since like March of 2020. So it I mean, like definitely a couple of years of just like sitting on this thing um and they were they were pretty shrewd about the 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 kind of release where like you know Jordan kind of I guess he mentioned it or there was like an announcement of some sort and then like they just dropped like Spotify dropped the entire series the 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 scripted podcast thing that we wrote um that I wrote with uh this other amazing writer Mac Rogers um and we, yeah, it it's, it was basically like a spooky, spooky podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of, uh, what if, <laughs> what if there was a sonic, uh, parasite that latched itself onto a, um, a kind of extremist. Maybe right wing uh radio show, talk show host and uh what if they kind of created a whole new kind of world order of uh ickiness out there? It was a terrible synopsis of it, but that's that's what I got. I would uh, call it intriguing.
2: <laughs> Fascinating. I <guess> not terrible.
3: <laughs> no, it's I mean it was it was freaking awesome. It was you know like We got to work with Tracy Letts. He was he was our lead, and Christina Hendricks, who uh, was um, you know Tracy Letts. Like I I mean, he's an amazing playwright. He he won what was it the Pulitzer for um, uh, August Osage County. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like Bug, have you ever seen Bug?
0: Yeah, Yeah, once.
3: (laughs) it's phenomenal. Like I, like, Ooh, Michael Shannon, like, ah, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal. It's a phenomenal movie. William freaking adapted it, but like the play, like to see it live and like, you know, in a kind of intimate space, like it's just, it's intense. Um, and killer Joe, like, you know, like Tracy Letts as a writer is phenomenal. And like to, to have <laughs> been put in the position of writing, uh, words for him to read perform like was a pretty I don't know like daunting task because he he could write the whole damn thing much better than we could have but uh
1: yes he elevates the material that's amazing I got one more I got one more question then uh, I'm gonna throw it to you Candace but uh you've been showing a lot of uh uh, experience experiences with your with your family I think that's amazing and um when I started getting into writing, like I joined the, I I don't even think I realized it was like a community, the writing online world um, on Twitter in 2014. I, until I started hearing, I think like Brian key might've been the first that I really heard say this. And then I got to know Joe Lansdale, Jonathan James, all of them Um, fathers in particular. um, And of course there's moms out there too, that talk about this, but uh, I never really understood what it meant to be like a ri- a full-time writer. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that world until I knew that world. So in my earlier parts, I, I wasn't aware of like, what would it be like to be a dad? And I want to hear your thoughts as being the father, doing what you love and being able to share that with your, with your, you know, your wife and your kids. Yeah.
3: <laughs> my kids are not allowed to read anything I I've written um until they're like 25. Yes. Um <laughs> No, I'm being I'm being cheeky. But uh I mean, I you know, we're, our family right now, we're we're coming from a place where my wife um we're a family of four. We have two boys. Um their ages 7 and going on 11 uh on wednesday and uh it's you know the kind of culture the family culture the kind of household dynamic that we're trying to create is that we want to be a family where the work we do is stuff that we really really love so my wife is a journalist she's an editor and and that's what she loves to do and you know i fell in love with her through her work um I I, I I you know she <laughs> i don't know oh I, I she she reads my stuff and she's still talking to me so like i think there's like a mutual like you know communication there um but like for our kids like we all we want to we want to kind of believe that like we're showing we're showing our children that like you know everybody everybody works everybody like supports their family like makes a living and like you know we just really want to fight or or strive towards like the things that we do we're passionate about um and the, like whatever it is that they end up growing up to be that they will hopefully find something that they're equally passionate about um I don't know if that's answering the question but it's like it, it's like wanting to generate an environment where like people are doing the things that they love to do um, which is weird because like, I, I have to kind of like, uh, co- like tell my kids like, yeah, dad, dad likes some creepy stuff. Like I, I have the, like our house is kind of a Halloween house, you know, year round and you know, all the, all the stuff that's like the, the Halloween decorations kind of stay up, you know, for, you know, pretty much 365 days out of the year. Um, and particularly my office, my office is kind of like spirit Halloween in its own way. <laughs> Um, but, uh, this is, this is actually my wife's, uh, office because she has better wifi than I do. Um, but, uh, I'm in the attic and, you know, it, like all of these things kind of like speak towards like, you know, creepy dad in the attic working on his creepy stories and like all the creepy stuff is all around. And it's like, they've, they've kind of grown up in that environment. And so they're less creeped out by it and i think their assumptions that like all <laughs> like like everybody's this weird um so they they they're kind of like the, the kind of culture shock for them is like oh like your dad's a doctor my dad like just wrote about a you know chainsaw attack today or you know whatever it is so yeah it's it's a little we're we're kind of like coming at it from this this this
0: weird place but it's like we do it with love.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's
0: Well, amazing. there's got to be a little my dad writes for Marvel to that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was I think I had I think I had a couple years where that
3: was was cool. <laughs> I don't I think like maybe I'm like like they're phasing out of that. Well, it, but it's also like like in a weird way they're they're also not as impressed by it as like you know, like I'll I'll be crass and say, like, you know, like, come on, guys, your dad like writes for Marvel. And they're just be like, you know, like a little bit kind of like, you know, because I do it, because dad does it, it 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 kind of takes a little bit of the 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 patina off of it, the cool, the cool edge. Um, but when they're in conversations with some of their classmates or some of their their other friends, like there's a certain kind of like, oh, is that cool? Like, is that like is that a thing that I should be? Uh, <laughs> like like you know i i think there's like a window of opportunity where i can kind of get in and i and 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 be like the cool dad but i i don't i'm i may be either phasing out of it or i've already phased out of it
1: um but yeah i i'd like to go all the way back to when you mentioned your wife you said something really interesting how you fell in love with her words uh I, I might be putting words in your mouth but i really want to i've never heard you talk about this so if you're comfortable with it please tell us about um that and then i promise candace jump in after <laughs> i'm like wait I'm like i uh, want to make sure I'm, I'm not gonna like give anything
3: away i don't know why i'm looking over my shoulder that my wife is gonna and <laughs> jump in and be like don't you talk about that but like <laughs> like I, I you know i remember our first, like, you know, when you have a first date with someone and you yeah. assume it's a date, but they don't like
1: that, you can have like coffee with somebody and it's like that weird, like, is this a date? And, and I experienced I, that the first time at Brennan bookshop <laughs> date. And he's like, dude, we're just friends. Too soon. Yeah. I mean, this kid is just a out with her. <laughs> Sorry, could, sorry, Clay. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> no, but it, like there could be like enthusiasm, like like a little bit of like a overzealousness, or I I think with like I when I went on my first what I would have construed to be uh, my first date with my wife, <laughs> um, I uh, I knew I found out that she was a reporter, and at that point she was a reporter for this uh, newspaper, daily newspaper called Newsday, out in Long Island, and um, I. I like, I did this thing, which seemed totally normal at the time, uh, where it's like, I, you know, we all do Google, when you, when you're starting to see someone, or or you're interested in someone, you Google them, like, that's a, that's a, you, you do you not Google, Candace? Even like, as like a, like a, like a safety check, or like, like, like a, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> okay, I googled.
3: But be a go- new
2: thing. <laughs> it's
0: 2023, Clay. We're not judging. Okay. Okay. I googled um,
3: And I found like a bunch of her articles online and I I read and and I printed out a bunch of them. Um and like kind of highlighted or underlined passages that I thought were really cool and like like basically like like created a dossier of her and her work. And I brought this with me to our first kind of like what I thought was a date. And, and she was kind of in more of a like beta test, kind of like, let's see, let's see how, let's see what this is. Um, And uh, the conversation (laughs) comes to that place where I was like, you know, I like pulled out this like folder of all of her, of like a bunch of her articles. And I was like, here, like, look at this one that you wrote years ago. And like, isn't that cool? Like, look at this line, and like, wow. And she was kind of a little bit like, whoa, like let's let's pump the brakes here, man. <laughs> and uh um, so I had to, I had to like, what did I have to do? I had to like, I basically had to like show her that I wasn't a stalker, I guess. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, but that's also really sweet though too like you researched her and compiled an entire thesis on on her which is kind of incredible and maybe creepy and but it's actually really sweet though yeah so i'm sure she appreciated it like i don't know anyone that would have done that if it was me like, hey look at the thing like, you wrote. like it's a
0: tightrope walk for sure but obviously it worked <laughs> i
2: mean that's if someone it, Impressive though that that he, you cared enough that you wanted to like know her through her work before you knew her, yeah, which says a lot about you. So I actually like that a lot. Like I I think that was really sweet. So it, it, as long as you think
3: it, 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 the the tightrope, I mean, like sweet Alan, you know, sweet and creepy, I feel like is it's
2: a fine line. It's a very okay. fine line. But I feel like your intentions were there, and I feel like you met well. And I feel like the fact that you were so interested in not just her as a person, but in her work and in her words, and like that says a lot about you that you were interested in the whole person, not just you know, a faction of it, like so many of us are when we first get interested. In, and it's usually like, hey, I like their face or, hey, they their sense of humor is great. Or, you know, it's usually that one thing, but you actually spent some time to look at the whole person rather than just the one thing, okay. which I think is sweet. What? That's what I totally told her. Like I was like, "Why yeah. <laughs> ever <Earth." laughs> like, you know, me?" Like, she like pulled out the pepper
3: spray
1: and like, and, like get back. Wait, 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 wait! Just look at this passage. I you wrote. think it's great. I love it. That's seriously awesome, though. Like that. That's super sweet. And that says, uh, "I mean, like we're we're all writers, so, um, and we know you, you know. So yeah. we know yeah. how sweet you are. I don't know. It's really you know, cute." It's,
3: It's funny that I mean, like you were—you kind of mentioned the idea of like family on social media and stuff. And like, I think I'm like starting to get a little nervous about that. Like, how much do you like share your life out there? Like, is it?
2: I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I um choice very 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 small very small. Um, I don't do a whole lot of personal posts at all. Now everybody that knows me and follows my posts and things, they do know that my kids and my mom are very support- supportive of everything I do. They're at every convention with me. They all got on my shirts and my merch and stuff like that. So when we were at when we are at one, I will post them in pictures and stuff then. Yeah. But other than that, other than me and them at an event or how it went with us. I very rarely post anything about them or, like, my personal life. Like, you'll get a little glimpse, but I usually keep it about the work and about the books and things because people do get a little creepy. Um, My middle daughter um, just turned 27 last month. And I did the whole like mom post the whole, you know, happy birthday to my daughter. And she looks exactly like me. So I posted a couple of pictures of her and one of the commenters got a little creepy with it. And I was just appalled. And I was just like, no, sir, that's not okay." And she's 27, but she looks very young. And I didn't really post how I didn't post her age. I just posted happy birthday to her. But if you know her on any day of the week, she looks about 15 at most.
1: I was going to say. His comments
2: were a little creepy. And I was just, that's why I don't post pictures of my kids and things like that. Because people, you you never know what comments you're going to get. So I tend to leave them out of it unless we're in like a safe space, like at a convention and something like that. And it's a picture of all of us, you know, as a group and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Um a friend yeah. of ours, Shane Douglas Keane, that runs Ink Heist, um posted a picture of his daughter too, and she's older, but yeah, he he uh he experienced something like that too. I'm gonna mute you. Okay, I'm going to
0: mute you so hard.
2: mute him. Let's go into the family on um, social media. I would prefer
0: to talk about what kind of mother. So clay, uh, I we learned a long time ago on the show that we are terrible at giving synopses without giving things away. So I would like to throw it to you to please <laughs> give us kind of the lowdown on the book that comes out tomorrow. So again, congratulations on getting that out tomorrow.
3: Yeah. um I mean, there's there's a really hard this one's a hard one to talk about. I mean, I I think this is like the the kind of the the broad stroke synopsis, which is um, what kind of mother is all about a single mom who is raising a teenage daughter on her own, uh, struggling to kind of make ends meet. Um, and at this point, her she returns home to her hometown, which is in this kind of coastal um you know virginian chesapeake bay area uh and she's kind of making a living um reading palms like basically kind of like serving as a a palm reader a psychic uh without necessary without really being a psychic without like having these abilities as as you know i would assume most kind of storefront psychics are not actually really psychic but you know there is that weird suspension of disbelief that a lot of people have. They want to believe that, you know, that you can kind of look into one's hands and, you know, portend the future. Um, but uh, she, you know, in coming home and returning to her kind of her past, she uh, runs into, bumps into a uh, someone from her past, from her childhood, uh, an, an old flame, um, and this man is his name is Henry Henry McCabe uh and he um has kind of he lives on hard times now um because five years passed uh he his son disappeared and um his wife committed suicide and uh because of this small community and because of the the kind of people around this this, event um which remains kind of unsolved five years later kind of persists as this this kind of uh you know this thing this kind of mark on on him but he's he's kind of like the town's like you know uh, sob story or you know but the two of them reconnect and um sh- you know maddie this this mother has What one I guess could say is like a a, like a a genuine, possibly supernatural psychic epiphany, Um, and from there the book just kind of takes like goes through this kind of downward spiral of the two of them looking for his Henry's missing son. Um, I think the 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 purest kind of synopsis that I really love is that like just imagine a Nicholas Sparks novel just like going right off the rails that like it's you know (laughs) it starts off as like
1: wait why isn't that the blurb for this book
3: (laughs) we've been using it we've
0: been i've been like hammering it as Uh, much as i can um you know it's just like sparks meets the empty man (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) um
3: just like you know two people at the the kind of you know they've lived they've lived some life You know, it's, it's been rough, you know, there've been some ups and downs and they like find each other kind of at a place where they, they need each other. Um, and it just goes really, really crazy.
0: Excellent. And it's, it's, it's fantastic, man. Now here's the thing is it's so freaking cliche to be like, Oh, the setting is a character, but I don't feel like we can talk about this book without talking about the setting because it's, you know, we, it, it's not wrong to describe it. I don't think anyway. I hope you please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not wrong to describe it as Southern Gothic, but yeah. it has that kind of Chesapeake Bay, like briny <laughs> depth of the river, uh, muck to it um and I was I was hoping you would talk a little bit just about the setting and how it impacted the story or even impact you know because you're from that area impacted you as a writer to tell this particular story
3: I mean I could talk forever about it I mean all right go for it I mean like it's you know it I I grew up in Virginia and Virginia is one of these amazing states where like there's a little bit of everything in every which direction, you know, you go two hours that way, you get, you hit mountains, you go two hours that way, you hit the ocean. Um, And, you know, two hours that way you hit DC. And like, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, there's so much like the, the region kind of changes depending on which way you go. But like the coast and the Bay is just like, that 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 is like I mean I love it there. Like I I I grew up in that area um because I had to, I have family there and like you know that river, the Pianka Tank River, that was that's my river. Like I like you know, the the ability to like my grandfather was a crabber. Um we crab all the damn time. Like it's like, you know, like there's there's something to be said about like ah, like, what am I trying to say? Like that, like that, that area and the humidity of it, the, the, that kind of brine of it that you're talking about, like that was, that was a, that was a kind of a part of my childhood that when I was growing up, I was kind of resistant to it because it was kind of the place where I had to be uh, like dragged by my family. And like, you know, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. And now as an adult, I just, I want to go back all the damn time. I just want to live there. Um, I uh, I I wrote a good portion of this novel there. Um, and, you know, it was, it would be, it was, it was just a, a kind of an opportunity to really kind of like speak to this, this area that was like kind of fundamental, um, to the extent where like i look out the window and there's that duck blind or you know like the you know like i wake up before like i, I you know like candace like waking up at five o'clock before the sun rises and like as i'm writing it like the sun's rising and i see the crab boats going out and like picking up that like dragging the traps and like i i just I don't know, like, I, you know, people have written about the Chesapeake Bay and people have written Southern Gothic clearly, but like, like, I wanted to do like a, like a, like a, like an old Bay, like, like a seasoned Gothic story that felt like, I don't know, of that particular area. And, um, you know, S.A. Cosby is in the area and like, he's written about it, you know, like kind of in and around it, um, I I think that like, um, who else would be, who else is a good, I mean, Brian Keene kind of is in the, (laughs) like, it's amazing how like Virginia is like home to so many of these amazing authors and uh, it's right there. Like that, this, this, like, I just, I just want to write about it more.
0: (laughs) And there's an, there's an authenticity to it that you just, you, you it just like kind of sings through the page that you're not getting f- looking at that area from a distance that I love. Uh, Candace, I don't, I don't want to hog all the book questions. Do you have something more?
2: No, I don't have any at all.
1: Okay. Know. That's fair.
2: Um, anyway, um, Clay. <laughs> so,
1: um, <clears throat> <Edgar Allan> Poe. <laughs> Forgot him. I was we, waiting for one of you to jump in. Come we on, we'll talk
2: about Poe later. I did have a question for Clay. I have several. Virginia. Um. Oh. As far as the story goes, there are quite a few times where the story gets very intense.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Did you need to at any point, did you need to like walk away for <laughs> a day or two? But like, you know what? gonna need a minute with this one like were there any of those like times where it just got a little too real in your head for you and you just needed like a minute to like process that or no Well, i mean
3: it's funny because like my first reaction to the question is like oh wow i got intense like it's like it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) like i did it um you did (laughs) um i don't know i mean it's like i i think I, okay, so there, in writing, I, I I mean maybe can I ask a question back just to yeah. just for for context, like talking around the what are these intense sections? Is it the is it the Henry stuff? Is it the the stuff that happens later in the book? Is it some the,
2: of the Henry stuff, but some of the later stuff also kind of put me in a headspace where I was like, oh okay. Yeah. But as a writer and knowing the type of things that I write and what takes me out of it for a little bit, I just wondered if any of that kind of hit home with you at the time or did it not strike you maybe until after you had completed it and kind of did your read through where you were like, well, that got deep. I mean,
3: I I think I'm an, I'm trying to answer the question correctly. And it's like, I, I particularly with the, the Henry stuff, Because the book is kind of split between uh, uh, two narrators. Mady is the main narrator. Like she's the kind of structure of the story, I think. And then at its core is this kind of nest doll narrative of of Henry. And he kind of comes in at a point where the story starts to veer into its own direction. And and writing his section was really intense to Mm. me. And... I, you know, like every book that I, I like, I've I've really been really extremely fortunate these last couple of years, where like Quirk, the publisher, has allowed me to kind of to write these books, and in quick succession of one another, and because of that, I'm the learning curve for me is always like to learn from the pr- like what lessons have I, I learned from the previous book, and and like starting with um. Whispered Down the Lane, which was this book that came out in twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, God, um, it, 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 it that was like the first time was like, I need to put some skin in the game like I need to like it's not about like writing about what, you know, as much as like, what are the things that genuinely scare me? And, you know, to to what Patrick was talking about, like, I think that like I started writing about my kids, like I started writing about being a parent and I started writing about like what would frighten me the most. And, you know, to be honest, like one of the things that frightens me more than anything in the world is the idea of something happening to my kids. And, um, you know, with uh, (laughs) with Ghost Eaters a lesson I learned was like, you know, like writing about, I, I i don't know, like, like, like writing about grief and loss and, 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 and the kind of like emotional undercurrent of someone who is at a place in their life where they are uh, broken. Um, I, I wanted what I wanted to do with what kind of mother and particularly the Henry sections was to write from the most, raw place that i i could you know and make it feel grounded and and not real as much as just like honest like i just wanted to write honestly from from henry's point of view and like i <laughs> it's it sounds so silly to say it but like you know this feels like an acoustic guitar book to me and like the Henry sections is just like it's like just someone just like someone just like strump, like just like bang like it's not an electric like it's not an electric punk rock yeah. book but Ooh. it is like someone just like 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 letting go in a way that feels almost unhealthy
0: <laughs> and, you know yeah, I um, get it
3: Yeah. so and 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 just kind of granting a certain kind of personal freedom to write from that place to just mm-hmm. like let it out, man. Like, just let it go, like, let it go. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, in stepping back, it was never so much like, Whoa, dude, like, what did I do as much as it was like, I needed to go to other people and just be like, what did I do? What did I, what did, what did, what is this? And like, you know, you get those beta readers, you get those people who kind of, um, you know, the first responder readers who really kind of inform the, the kind of like the, the, the kind of like the shape or the sculpting of like the revision process, um, you know, that, that stuff was just like, like, just like, (laughs) like, just like, (laughs) like when you, when you listen to someone like pouring their heart out with a guitar for five hours, and it's just like my heart is broken yeah. like like put the guitar down, dude like you're you're hurting
2: yourself <laughs> like it's just it's like, enough. enough yeah yeah, um, I would say you nailed it um, <laughs> but that like
3: I, yeah. and that's not that's none of the that to me is not the like the 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 like, quote unquote horror stuff like that's just the yeah. like being a being a parent stuff the the intense stuff that happens at the end that's just like it's just so weird like when i when i pitched it and i, and I like w- like in the draft like the the first drafting of it um the All of that Chesapeake Bay, like, it's funny how, like, you, you, you kind of imagine the story being one way. And, then you know, I, you know, Brendan, you're, you're really right that, like, there was this feeling of the environment impeding upon the characters in a way that I hadn't necessarily accounted for. So, like. And, and, and this is like encroaching upon spoiler territory so I'm like couching a lot of this but like I I had an idea of like what what the manifestation what what the kind of end result of all of this is and it was much more uh just uh, it was very flaccid very kind of like like kind of like a, just a two-dimensional kind of pale thing and uh and then I went back to like thinking of like well what, what is, what is kind of singular about these two people. And it's like, oh, they live here. They work here. They're like, you know, all, all this talk about like kind of living off of the river, or living off of the bay, like that stuff was like, oh, well, that stuff can totally kind of like become a part of a part of it. Like that, that's a part of what this is. And it like it genetically just like the, the DNA just got a little mixed so that in the revising of it, it just became this whole other Thing as as bland and broad and general as that sounds but it was like it the identity came about because of because of the region because of the bay because of the water because of all of that stuff and um it was revelatory you know um and it got intense it got intense in ways because it was like oh i could do like crabs and jellyfish and like all of these things that felt like you know, when you look at something for so long, I'm just looking at the river and I'm looking at all this, this sea life. And it like it, it you know, I, why it didn't dawn on me at the beginning to just be like, like embrace,
0: just embrace the bay, embrace the water, embrace all the stuff in it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Clay, I got to tell you, like, I I'm still sitting here five minutes on uh, thinking about your comments about it being almost an acoustic guitar novel, because that's something that I don't think I ever would have put together. Yeah. But the moment it came out of your mouth, I said, that's 110% right. There is, uh, there's this band and I don't even know if they're still a band. Uh, I saw them play 12 or 15 years ago called three and their lead singer. Um, their lead say if you ever heard of the band coheed and cambria their lead singer is like the brother of one of the guys in that band so they used to tour with them all the time but the lead singer plays acoustic guitar and he almost plays it in this flamenco style with like thumb and fingers but it's 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 rock music and it's got this intensity to it that kind of comes across in a way that i can't really compare to another band and that's when, when the, when the story ramps up, like that's almost kind of what I envisioned that, you know, uh flurry of notes, that's almost flamenco, but it's got this more, uh, kind of raw, like you say, style to it. Yeah. Um, and, and now my brain's a mile a minute, so I'm going to turn it off and, and go in a different direction. Um, I got a question. One thing- the book. What's that?
1: I didn't want you to move past the book.
0: I'm not. Um, so one my thing bad. that, uh, you don't. You're not necessarily going to take away from the synopsis. Is the impact of uh, I guess I would say folklore and both fairy tales, Brothers Grimm, Mother Goose, whatever you have it. Yeah, I'm curious to hear you talk about kind of that the 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 fairy tale influence both on this story, but on even on your work in general.
3: Yeah, you know it's 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 interesting because like I I think that um storytelling has always been really fundamental like I I remember my grandparents reading to me in bed like you know putting me to like tucking me in and reading me stories and like I I remember my first campfire summer camp ghost story experience and I remember or like you know even you know the the kind of south that i grew up in like the the kind of oral tradition is it's that's key like you know we our stories are that's the kind of legacy and you know you you share it you spread it you uh like that like i i don't know like i i just find storytelling to be so fundamental and as a as someone who uh you know early on kind of felt a desire to tell stories like either being a bit of a ham or needing a kind of connection to someone else, but doing it through this kind of specific means of um, spinning a yarn. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I, I just find that like there's something to be said about the, the kind of art of telling a story and in telling it in a way that feels uh like handmade like hand carved almost you know it's not prefab it's not it's not kind of mass produced uh it's imperfect it's it's raw and it's 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 almost like the imperfections of it is what makes it so valuable um and uh i think that's what folklore is like i think it's like that like you you get this sense of um these things don't exist in books, maybe they don't exist, you know, on record, but that people have them, and then they can share them. Um, and that's, it's it's almost like the, the kind of the transmission of them from one, like from storyteller to listener, is that's the only recording there will ever be of these things. And I've just always found that really fascinating. And, and I think the, you know, being a part of kind of like, Thinking of the kind of Blue Ridge and Appalachian folklore and just like all, all of the all the stories that I remember hearing as a kid. Like that was like like that was fundamental and friggin scary. Like it was terrifying. Like a lot of it was just like really scary stories, you know, because the, the, the kind of I think the the purpose of a lot of that folklore is like don't get too close to the water because you'll drown. So I, uh, you know, the way you, you steer clear of the water is to believe that Jenny Greenteeth is in there or, you know, like whatever, you know, whatever the, the kind of the thing, the witch that lives at the bottom of the the swamp is. And I, I don't know, like, I just love that. Um, I feel like there's value to that. And, and not even kind of, you know, I, I, I feel like there are those authors and those, those kind of, Alan Lomax types that like, you know, document and record and capture those authentic actual uh bits of folklore. For me, I just love kind of making up my own kind of personal folklore. Um and in the Grimm 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 Brothers was was kind of like a I don't know, like that, like you have a fairy tale that it loses its teeth throughout the retelling but if you get to the root core of it the kind of original story of it it's always brutal and violent and unforgiving uh and it's it's only in the retelling that it kind of sands itself down into this smooth pearl (laughs) but uh i don't know like i love i just love that like if you go to the origins of these stories like more often than not there's like someone's getting their ankles kind of like sawed off or you know or you know teeth pulled and that's um i like to kind of return to that and this this book felt like you know i call it a southern gothic folk horror um because i but it's not like based on any particular kind of like beyond the region there's no like this is not a, a real kind of bit of a folklore this is not a real fairy tale of the area but like wanting wanting to kind of create a little new something like a, maybe like a, like a, <laughs> like a, some sort of like, like crustaceous little creature that kind of lives in the out there. Um, so just don't get too close to the water kids because otherwise, and I think,
0: you, I think you're on to something there. Cause like the, the book has, um, I don't know if timeless is the word I'm looking for, but it's, a, it, it doesn't have to be set in the modern age. So, you know, as soon as you started talking about, you know, that kind of uh, history of oral storytelling, that's, you know, that's something that I feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong because I was born and raised in Massachusetts, but it seems like all over the country that's a tradition that is being lost a little bit. So to have it almost kind of reflected in this book that, you know, could have happened in 2023, but also could have happened 50 years before is kind of an interesting, I don't know, tidbit for lack of better words. Yeah.
3: I
2: mean, I, I, I,
3: that's amazing. Like, I love that. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Flannery O'Connor, like Faulkner, like, I think the, the, the kind of gothics that we've gotten, they always feel kind of outside of time, even though Mm -hmm. like, you know, a good man is hard to find. Isn't that the Flannery O'Connor? One? A good man is hard to find. Like, am I remember like, like that was written decades ago. And yet there's a version of that that exists now. Um, and it's something that's, it might not be of its time or beyond its time, but it's like always kind of parallel. Like it's kind of running this weird kind of like, when did you find that story or when did you find that book? And to read it now, it hears itself in your mind to the, like the present tense, as opposed to like, I don't know, 1965 or whenever.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the idea of when did you find that story, you know, how how many parallels does that run to fairy tales and folklore? Yeah, uh, Patrick, did you have a question about the book? Is that why you interrupted me earlier? Yeah,
1: he actually answered it in your question. <laughs> oh, but okay. a, Good Man, a Good Man is Hard to Find, in 1953, you were right. It's by Flannery
2: O'Connor
1: that's wild yeah man
2: yeah.
1: that is a brutal
3: unforgiving story too like like uh i i read that in high school you know and uh, like it, it it that book that, that that story kind of unnerves you it's just genuinely scary story um but i think that's also what the south kind of does too like it's kind of like pressed a little bit of a pause button on time you know to whatever extent that like You know, I'm not, I don't want to make any kind of grand sweeping statement about the South as much as just like, like it it exists kind of outside of time, you know, like it's, it's like it kind of recedes from time, just it ebbs just a little bit, you know. My
1: my wife and I with some friends went camping to Chincoteague about two hours north of uh, where. I forget the what the river was called, but uh, about two hours north of where the book takes place. Uh, the Bianca Tank? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it some similar, but uh, it, it's it, Chincoteague, and we went to Assateague as well. Uh, it's not in Virginia. I think that's in Maryland, but yeah, that's both where like, the horses, at least Chincoteague is where the horses uh, are, wild horses run free and swim across the river is pretty neat but yeah i can even there it was like at least a small area we were at was kind of um it, it it felt like obviously we're in modern times but at the same time it didn't and yeah. it's just a small island and uh also the, i don't know if it's like this down there in your area but up there in Chincoteague, there's a shitload of black vultures and uh, it's kind of pretty creepy. Yeah. Because um, they're just they, chilling and like, circling
3: about, or they're. No,
1: no. You know? um, for example, the nearby um, uh, camping lot, I guess they left for the day. They just left their shit everywhere. Um, and vultures? The, the, no, the vultures found all oh. the food, the bags of Doritos, and just everything that they didn't put away in like a. Uh, I thought uh, the
0: vultures were littering in your story.
1: Oh, you know, fuck this story. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna go to comments from unless unless uh Candice, you had something else about the book. No,
2: I was going to remind you to check
1: because there were some folks that
2: left stuff.
1: Yeah, out there for Clay. Yeah, like John John Durgan, friend of ours. He said, "I just want to say uh Clay is one of the hardest working authors in the industry." The hustle is unmatched i look forward to seeing him again in Concord. oh nice and then ronald kelly said a super nice guy and a great writer looking forward to giving this one a listen (laughs) oh man sorry clay go ahead
3: no i'm just i'm just marveling that the the john and ron (laughs) talking about this that's um that's awesome (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love your videos cuz you're always so hyped up and um I-, I just how the fuck do you have that much energy? <laughs> I
3: mean it's it's a little manic but uh I mean
1: I don't know. I, man, it's like it's just so, so much happy energy. I, I I just I love it. I mean, it's contagious.
3: I I feel like we're we're on this planet for oh so long and uh the things that that I have found that have kind of give me happiness, presently, uh, you know. When I go into a bookstore, and it's like I can see all these books by books that I love, and books written by people that I've met, and there's this moment where I say to myself, "I don't know if any of these writers will ever walk into this bookstore." You know, like you could be just anywhere at any independent bookstore. And and all of a sudden you'll just be like, look at this amazing shelf, like it's just like a shelf, and like it's like you know someone put a lot of love and care and focus and like you know <laughs> like assembling that that kind of horror shelf, and I you know this will you know bite me on the butt at some point because I, I you know I don't know if the enthusiasm is infectious enough to keep making these silly videos, but like. The whole point to them is like, look at this awesome store. Look at this awesome bookshelf. Look at your books on this bookshelf. Like, isn't that cool? And, and um, you know, uh, I think <laughs> I think most people at this point are just kind of like humoring me. They're like, Oh, yep, yeah, he's doing one of those stupid videos again. But uh I I don't know. I I have fun doing them. I don't know who the hell is paying attention in social media anymore, anyway.
2: A lot of us. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of us because I think it's great, and social media is the cesspool for the most part. So, when I see folks like you out there making attempts to do sort of the same thing that I'm trying to do out there, yeah, it's fantastic, and it's something that certainly there's not enough of. And when another author takes the, the time to support, another author and say hey I found your book out here look at this that's fantastic you didn't have to show me my books on that shelf you could have been showing yours (laughs) but you're taking the time out of your day going to go sign one of your books or talk to your fans to show other folks hey look at all my friends books that are out here too Look, look I found your book in store we don't do that enough and I don't I feel like there's not enough of us out here that are helping to lift everyone else up too. We don't do this alone. Yeah, Writing, we do alone. But to get everywhere else and to be seen and to be heard amongst so many others, we need to help lift the other person up and we need to be able to say hey i found your book too look at this isn't this great or hey did you see this kickstarter this new person's doing it look at this new press and look at their new release date they have out because there's not enough of us that are out here going hey great job you did it again and your new book is out there congratulations there's not enough of that there's People so quick to point out what you did wrong or what you said wrong or that typo you made on page 94. And, hey, did you fix that yet? What about all of us going out here and looking around in our libraries and in our bookstores and saying, hey, Laurel Hightower, I found your book. Hey, Kelly, look at these books I found every year in this store that I never thought to even stop into. There's not enough of it. And I think it's fantastic. So please don't stop. As long as you enjoy it, don't, don't stop. Because when we stumble on those, it it makes our entire day. Like, I swear it's the high point of our day when there are some more costume videos online and you're supporting somebody else as well as yourself or supporting that store is not enough. There's not enough of it. And I, I just, I think it's great. So that's my two cents on your videos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just like,
3: you know, there's so many cool bookstores out there and there's yeah. no way to really me- are. Yeah. Right. Like there, I, and I think what these last couple of years have kind of taught me is that, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a Barnes and Noble or an independent bookstore, but like the people who work there, Nine times out of ten, they're like people who love (laughs) books and love to read. And they like the amount of care that goes into those bookshelves, particularly the the horror bookshelves, like it just blows my mind because it's it's like I I there's no there's no kind of payment for that other than Mm. the love of it. Like they're like, like these bathes of horror, just mad, like, like they're just beautiful things. Um, and I don't know, like I think of them as like artifacts or like totems, or, like, like, like just like, look what do we, like, it's like, we're here in Pennsylvania and we found like the great, like, <laughs> the, like the, the, the horror shelf in, in Doylestown or like, you know, it's just, it, yeah, it just,
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. great.
0: Now, <laughs> I, I'm going to sound like a real asshole here, so please bear with me. But if, if you know, taking those videos, which I absolutely love, and I think a lot of people really, really enjoy those, you know, dis- despite the fact that you're trying to downplay them, if you walked into every bookstore and said, hey, look, there's ghost eaters on the shelf, you know, Like, that's, it's great. You know, we're impressed by that. That's awesome, man. Like, seriously good for you. But it's the fact that you are downplaying, you know, like, I'm here, but I'm here with all the people I love and respect and admire and the people who are, like, doing it. You know, look, there's Rachel Harrison. Oh, shit, it's Nat Cassidy. Um, That's what makes people love it. You know, one thing we've learned from running this show is we can have somebody on to talk about their book for 90 minutes and people enjoy that. But what they like even better is hearing somebody they already, uh, kind of admire and a writer they already know that they enjoy talk about yeah. other writers that, yeah. you know, they recommend and, um, that they, you know, would kind of, you know, <laughs> send their works out to the world. Yeah. Um, now, in that same vein, you are, uh, you. this is self-described, this is not me putting, uh, you know, pejorative on you, you are a slutty blurber, <laughs> or as you put it, a slurber, um, and, and, you know, it, it's a lot of kind of big releases that come out, have your name on the cover, have your name on the back cover, but it's not just that it's you know indie releases, small press releases, uh, a, a certain collection by one of the people running this show right now has your name on the back cover. Uh, and I have not gotten a chance other than through text to say thank you so much for taking the time to read my collection and apply some very very, very kind words to it. So uh, tell me a little bit about giving back and you know, just making sure that the people who are coming up, have that support from you?
3: Um I I okay. I think it's like a I think it's an awesome responsibility. And I think I think a bunch of things. I uh I I I got I was really lucky to kind of get started in my early twenties, like publishing stuff. And my first book was a collection of short stories and i was like 24 when it came out and um i i remember the process of like and th- that was a long time ago um and like the process of like like soliciting for blurbs and um i was a kid i mean like i was a kid <laughs> you know and like you know i i was so kind of naive to this process and, uh, I, it was, it, it was just so interesting because like, in like the industry, the publishing industry was a lot different, you know, however many years ago that was. Um, but at that point, like blurbs held power and like, everyone was like trying to get blurbs from people. And, um, I'm not going to name any names, I'm not calling anyone out, uh, because I don't think that's appropriate, but like, I, there were, there were opportunities where like I I would I did like events with like uh like I I like was the opening act for a very well-known famous author. And like I got to do my reading and then they got to do their reading. And um afterwards they were like, that was great, man. Like, you know, good job. And I was like, thank you. That is really kind of you to say. You know, I just so happen to have this new book coming out and it would be amazing to get you to say that on the on the cover and i just remember them being like oh i'm not doing blurbs right now sorry and it was just like a a blanket kind of like thing and i i understand the need to kind of protect oneself and to have a a kind of a general <laughs> kind of blanket like like that that is that is a, a self like a like I'm protecting myself because I am assuming he this this particular author probably got that same request a dozen times every day, you know, and nobody like you know you just have to say no at a certain point. I get that. But like in that moment of like just the the compliment of like I appreciate you for what you do. Can you help me? No, it was just so so it was like it was a real kind of like blow and i just remember that happening a, like three times where i would just like ask like it would be it would be a conversation it wouldn't even be a letter it wouldn't be an email It'd just be like like someone would be like hey man that was really cool and just being like can you help me and then just being like no um or or, or you know even like writing letters to people being like you know like someone would give me their, like some author gave me their snail mail address and they were like, like I did this workshop with them and they were like so kind and the workshop was over and they're like, hey, let's keep in touch. Like, here's my address. Like, and like writing them and just like crickets. And like, like for a kid in their 20s, like it was just like, what am I, like, why, like what is going on? Like, why am I, like, why am I failing at like, like, finding someone to do that for. It. And it's a very, like, it's, like, a knee-jerk defense mechanism. <laughs> At the time, I was, like, I am never going to do that to anyone ever. <laughs> you know? Fuck that. Like, that hurts in a way that's just, like, sucks. And it really made me, it just, like, made me mad in a way that, like, it just, I, I just never want to be responsible for that feeling um so fast forward 10 20 15 30 years later and like you know i'm now at a place where if someone asks i am going to do every i'm going to do what i can in my power to to read it to be honest about it to like support it like i just i just i just don't think that we should live or exist in a world where people are not (laughs) saying things about like, 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 yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't, you know, and, and I'm saying this in a public sphere. I am terrified (laughs) that this is going to come haunt me forever. I'm Uh, so
1: sorry. I didn't mean to,
3: (laughs) but it's the truth. I mean, that's the truth. That's like, you know, like I, like, you know, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed and it's, it's a little daunting. And like, there's times where I have to be like, uh, like, you know, like this is like, I I feel like I can try. I'm going to do it. But, uh, and I'm going to like regret this moment. So, but like, I just, I just feel like if you, if some, like, I, I mean, who the fuck am I? Can we curse on this? Like, are we allowed to curse on this? Like, is this like, who the You're heck? not cursing <laughs> enough, honestly?
2: Okay. You're not swearing enough. Okay. <laughs> but you no, know, like, like
1: I more, have throw no more fucks power. in there.
3: I have nothing. I have nothing. There's no I have no authority. I have no power. I have nothing. Like blurbs, blurbs are just like someone saying, Holy shit, I read this book. That is, and it's like, it's awesome. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's just, it's i i I find blurbs to be frustrating and like i i hate asking people for blurbs like and like i am awful i I am like i have i have become a very bad blurb requester um because and it's it's and i and i feel sheepish about it like and i need to kind of like you know, apologize to certain people. Cause they'll be like, Hey, that thing that I asked for two months ago is due two days from now. And I, you know, I know this is my third email and like, you know, like, like being, being like, how do you, how do you navigate this world where like we're all busy, we're all doing a million and one different things and there's just too much stuff to read, you know, but like at the end of the day, if someone is just going to be like, I, I, I think your work is good or I like your work and I, I feel like your work, like the people who read your work would like my work. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it just seems like all you're doing is just saying like, this is a book <laughs> and it's like, let's, let's fight. Let's like, say, let's just be nice. And like, let's just rally. And, you know, I'm I'm going to shut up because I'm rambling, but like, I, there was just recently it was it was Esquire or was some some someone wrote an article that was like the kind of demystifying of like the debunking of the blurb and like how blurbs mm-hmm. are it's a currency in the publishing industry and it, it's just so gross how like I don't know we're all we're all just like we're all just trying to get people to read our stuff and you know if. If someone thinks like, I like I just it's honestly I'm and I'm like talking myself in the loopholes now, so I'm gonna shut up. But like I just it what's what I just find so hilarious is that like anyone would give a shit what I have to say about a book anyway. So like <laughs> like if you want me to tell you a book that I liked, like I'll I will tell you like this is a great book, you know, like holy shit, read this
1: book. Um yeah. Well, I'll throw this out there. You were kind enough to blurb the first anthology I edited, Hot Iron and Cold Blood, and uh, it meant the world to me. And the publisher actually really loved it too. So that's a that's a bonus. <laughs> so I appreciate that, man. I, it's I, uh, Clay. It's my first. It's my day de- Brent said, "Go easy with this," but I'm gonna say it right here. Go my easy de- with this. Uh, yep, <laughs> it's my debut as an editor. That's a big deal to me. You made it even more special. So just take the compliment, man. (laughs) Thank you. you. I will. Yes. Yes. I. Yes. Um, You made me feel special. That's all uh, for real.
3: Yeah. I mean, isn't that all we want? Like, like, like I've gotten blurbs where it's just like, I want to, I want to believe like, like I always have this weird problem of like reading the blurb and being like, I don't know if I earn that blurb or if like like that's the like like that's the like I want to grow up to be that blurb or I want to write the book yeah. that is that blurb, but like, you know, I uh yeah, yeah. I just I just feel like um <laughs> like blurbing is a weird Weird universe, and I can't believe I've mouthed off for 15 minutes about this. Um,
2: there you go. yeah, but I think we're, we're all on the same page though, because it is a little weird, and I think we all have it that um sort of imposter syndrome. Sort of, is this really happening? Did I earn this? Am I really here? And when some of those blurbs come in that kind of make us blush and make us cringe at the same time, like, did I write that? Was it really that good? Are you serious? Can I, oh, (laughs) are you shitting me? I I think it's just a whole weird headspace because we have to ask the people that we most look up to to read our work and then the blurb our work. And then they send us back one that we have trouble believing. And it's like, this is great. This is fantastic. But, oh, my God, does this story live up to this it's a it's a whole weird thing and I totally get the why do people care um I think I did 19 19 blurbs this year and I don't understand why or how that happened or why I'm being asked and I still have like five in my inbox and it's a very it's overwhelming and it's a surreal experience at the same time because I'm still out here with the mindset of, oh, I'm new at this, and hey, I'm making a couple things happen. But then all these other people, are like, hey, will you blurb my book? And I've read all of your stories, and I, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Why me? <laughs> you got all these people. It, it, it's definitely weird. It's nice to see the blurbs when they come back, but I think it's still a lot of my, of a mind trip <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Well, I don't
1: know. let's uh let's wind down to the currently reading so clay shout out it can just be one it could be a few what are you currently reading oh my god i just this is <laughs> i just finished
3: reading um chuck wendig's uh black river orchard it, it, holy moly like it's a it's a doozy um <laughs> it it I, I mean i just feel like I, it's over 600 pages. So you're in it, you know? Um, And, and I, I, I feel like that, that book is going to stick with me for a long time. Um, And I, I just finished it last night. So like, that was, that was a real exciting one. Um, It is a, it is a gut punch. Like, I just love that he can like live, you know, you talk about like these novels and it's like you live in a world, and like because it was um, so expansive, so massive, and yet it feels very intimate. Like it's a, it's like a, a kind of an ensemble piece of like a, a tight knit community. Um, it feels big, but it's it's like small at the same time. Which is a that doesn't sound appealing, or I it doesn't sound as sexy as it should. But like there's something kind of like he mm-hmm. writes something that feel that is so intimate but makes it feel so epic at the same time and I really mm-hmm. love that. Um I uh I I was really the um uh what Valencourt and Quirk Books are doing this this kind of re release of some of their paperbacks from hell uh and I just read four of them back to back The Auctioneer uh let's go play at the Adams um, when Darkness Loves Us and Hellhound, and that was like, intense. Oh, and the last two, um, I read both novella collections, They Lurk by
0: Ooh.
3: Malfi and Spin a Black Yarn by uh, Josh Mallerman, and mm. like, just just like, I don't know, man, like, reading those two books back to back, Spin a Black Yarn and and They Lurk was so much fun because it was like, two authors who I just admire the living
1: hell out of. Yeah. They're great. They're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. Good guys. Good guys too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I I mean like those stories, those novellas are just so much fun. Like, it's like, like I feel like Josh Mallerman is having fun. (laughs) How much fun is Doug and Judy in that one?
0: Oh God. God.
3: Um, I I mean, half of this house is haunted. Oh, I feel, like that is a story that messes with my mind. Like, yeah. like, like that. That is something that I cannot stop thinking about. Like, mm-hmm. I'm
0: OCD about half of this house is haunted. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> it's a, I, I read that and I remember thinking that it's like, it's like hearing one of those songs where like the refrain is one line and it gets, it's almost like the chorus going throughout the song. And it's just, you, you just keep getting the refrain over and over and over again.
1: Um, yeah.
0: wild story. Really, yeah. really great one.
1: Right. are currently reading.
0: Uh, I just finished, uh, a light most hateful by Haley Piper. Uh, and you know, I, I'm a big Haley Piper fan, love everything she writes. And I got into this one and I said, you know, there's a lot of like Joe Lansdale's The Drive In to it, to the setup. Uh, and then it almost kind of goes down the road of uh Jeremy Robert Johnson's The Loop. And then, you know, maybe 30 to 40% in, it just goes off on this tangent that nobody but Haley could have written. Um it's it's wild, it's crazy, but it's it's got this depth to it that just, you know, you're you're not getting anywhere else in in modern horror. She's such a she's such a unique voice. The other one I'm reading is the same thing as everybody else now. Uh, yeah. Holly by Stephen King. Um, and, uh, the, you know, it's it's getting a lot of hate and it's getting a lot of hate because it's like, oh, it, it talks about COVID and, and masking and, and Trump. And it does. It, you know, if you really don't want any kind of real world influence in your novel, then don't fucking buy this one because you're going to hate it. But <laughs> it's like it, it, it's got a realism to it and that's you know part of the story that's flavoring dash of sprinkle of you know salt and seasoning but it's 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 a really solid mystery and you know we um we patrick you and i have talked about the uh episode that neil at talking scared was lucky enough to do with stephen king and he talks a lot about how he uh Tang struggles with the who done it, so instead he writes a why done it. So, you know, you get early on, I'm not giving spoilers here, you get early on this, well, here are the villains, you know, it's not a mystery. But in order to keep that interesting and engaging, that's a whole different ball game, and he mm. pulls it off masterfully. Um I'm still like you know, 150 pages from the end, but it's I'm loving it.
1: Mm. Uh
2: well, I just finished way fall um, for our interview coming up this week um which was fantastic um it lived up to its hype, which I was kind of not surprised by the hype, but I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I as much as I did only because the concept of it, I kind of wondered if I was going to be able to be as immersed in the storyline, knowing what it was about, just the whole believability of it. Like, am I really going to, like, it pulls you in and it keeps you there. And I, I just thought it was fantastic. And I just started to um, read White Trash and Recycled Nightmares, the new collection coming from Rebecca Ro. Rebecca Roland next month. So I am, uh, I just got done with the first story in that one. So can't wait to read the rest of it. And then I want to, I got about 92 more books here in my pile. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. Um, what are so you I'm,
2: reading, Patrick?
1: Yeah. So I'm mostly through Brennan's The Demon of Devil's Cavern. That's a sequel to Noose. Uh, i think that it's the best thing he's written so far and he's written some great books and i'm also um into the audio version of whale fall and uh i'll say my thoughts for because you pretty much covered it candace it's a good book Uh, but i'll pretty much say the rest of my thoughts for uh for next week's episode with daniel um We're going to go to final thoughts and then say good night. So clay, any final thoughts, sir?
2: Um,
3: well, thank you. I mean, first off, thank you for letting me mouth off. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's nice to kind of talk about, um, the ways in which we can kind of support one another as, as authors. And that, that's, uh, It's a nice conversation to have that I feel like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if we have it enough, but uh, it's, it was, it feels good. Um, But if anyone comes uh, asking for a blurb, I'm going to come to you first
1: and it's going to be all your fault. (laughs) He's pointing to you, Brennan, not me. No, that's fair.
2: Yeah. So, you (laughs) know, next next week, Clay, you're going to get
1: 150 requests. Oh my god.
2: One of them is going to be mine and please give me the holy shit read this book. That's all I want. I
1: just <laughs> send oh. all my personal requests too.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so Brandon, final thoughts. I thought you're going to take over.
0: No, you're kind of playing host here. Um, Clay, <laughs> always a pleasure to have you on, man. Uh I loved what kind of uh, what kind of mother? I almost said some kind of mother I keep messing up that what title but I loved what kind I of, mother? What kind of mother
1: is that the sequel
0: <laughs> that no that's the answer to the question oh, um okay. so and and you know by the time this episode airs it will be out people can pick it up they should pick it up uh it's atmospheric it's awesome it's intense um I really really enjoyed my time in there and like you kind of touched on um I love the idea of Horror authors kind of learning from the people who come before them and helping the people who come after them. And I really strong. I wouldn't have brought up that question if I didn't strongly feel that you embody that, um, and that's admirable. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you, thank you, Candice.
2: Oh, final thoughts, um, Clay. As always, it was great. I mean, I've met you once, but just being able to like chat, chat with you now and just hear how passionate you are just about everything you do I, I just think it's fantastic i actually um wish there were more people out there like you in the world cuz we need it um other than that congrats on the book it's fantastic um we already whatever all all, all of that and hey, hopefully, you know, we'll have you back in six months or this time next year to go over the next, you know, five, ten things you could do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, are you going to be at Scares That Care? Absolutely. Damn you. Yeah. How did you get a table? They went
2: like... They're three gone. or four. For three or four. Uh, for, I'm at both. But really? I believe there are still tables left for St. Louis.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to... But get... the
2: first one, they sold out in like four minutes flat. Yeah,
3: oh my it, God. It's just, yeah. it's just impossible. It's just. Are you
2: still gonna like come though? Are you still gonna I appear mean, and hang out with all of us?
3: I. Uh, it's, it's still amazing. It's it is amazing. It's it's a bit of a trek not not to have it, here. <laughs> like, uh, but uh, I uh, I don't know. I'm like I'm on the waiting list, so fingers crossed. We'll see. Maybe hopefully I'll see you. Well,
2: I'll be there. I'm at uh, I'm at three and four. I'm at the Knoxville TBR Con. I'm going to the Texas one, and then there's a couple other ones. So, I'll be around <laughs> for sure.
1: You'll be at the one in New Jersey, too. Next month, yep. And then I get to see you finally.
2: Yeah, finally, yeah. Get to meet me.
1: And then I get to meet Clay too. Um. He's like, fuck no. No, just kidding. Final thoughts, Patrick. Final thoughts, Pat. <laughs> Final are, thoughts. All right. Thank you, Clay, Patrick. for your uh my dumbass is just me rambling on. Um, Clay, thank you for your time. We truly love talking to you and, and Canda said it, but you know, uh, next book, just holler at us or I'll bug you, and uh, we'll we'll get to talk to you again. So okay. what kind of mother through Cork Books? I hope you guys listening will consider buying that. Wow, it's a loud truck. Am I the only one that hears that? yes mm-hmm. okay now it's awkward awkward so i hope that everyone that listens to this episode picks up a book audio or digital or physical and uh don't bother clay for blurbs he is busy with candace's book uh, <laughs> except <laughs> episode 208 is with daniel kraus we'll be talking about Will fall talk about creep show too i'm going to bring that up because he is one of the writers for the uh holiday edition of the comic book and that's pretty damn cool um and that's in stephen king's universe which i don't think is talked about a lot that's one of my favorite stephen king uh, pieces of work but we'll talk about that next week all right as always have many choices in podcasting you for picking up